you'll see in the note page, vanishing victorious, which is interesting because we've been talking about what? I love to tell the story. And lots of times we talk about the resurrection of Christ. And sometimes we don't spend an awful lot of time on this one section of Scripture. But I want you to imagine for just a moment being there that day, that day when Jesus disappeared into the sky, vanishing in victory. How would you feel? Would you, would you be confused or astonished? Would you feel abandoned, surprised, joyful, scared? Would you stand there and stare into the clouds trying to grab that one last glimpse of his glory? Would it be maybe a, a moment where everything suddenly made sense. Let me ask you this. What did that moment mean to his disciples? I can tell you this. That moment became the central theme of their preaching. The kingdom of God has come. It's interesting, you know, the Jews never tried to explain God. You go all the way back to Torah, you go back to beginnings, you go back to Genesis, and it starts by saying, in the beginning what? God. In the beginning, God did something. They don't try to explain his origin, where he came from, really who he is. They recognize him by character traits. Most of the names that are used for God are talking about some portion of his character, not talking about him directly. They never tried to explain God. And the New Testament never tries to explain Jesus. I mean, yeah, we have this virgin birth, but how did that happen? We see the miracles. How did that happen? We see him raising people from the dead. How did that happen? And his ascension. But there's never an attempt to explain how God did it. Either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have some mention of Jesus Ascension, yet the ascension itself is cloaked in mystery. Just like Jesus' birth and most of his life. Even his crucifixion. Do you realize scripture doesn't describe that? All it says is he was crucified. There's no real detail. We just know that it happened. 
Now, when we're looking at the ascension, the most complete uh, picture of this that we have of that particular day is in Acts 1. Read along with me. It's a little bit long, but stick with me. In my former book, Theophilus, which is God lover, that's Theos, God, and Phileo put together, or Phila, okay, God lover. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was, he was what? He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, He was doing what? What does that mean? In the body. Yes. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, baptism, it's a matter of immersion. Yes, you immerse and emerge, right? What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit is going to come like a flood on you. That's Acts 2. That's for a different day. We will get there, but not today. But we have that coming. But that's a marvelous day too. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to, you got it, right, to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Do you catch it? No explanation. It happened. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And suddenly, two men dressed in white. Two men dressed in white. What are we thinking about? Angels. Heavenly messengers stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back. And the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That's your memory verse for today. Then they all returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. You see, that ascension had a profound effect on the disciples. You see, up until that moment, it, it seems like the disciples are, are puzzled. Mark paints this picture of them 
as Jesus is teaching them, sometimes getting it, but oftentimes not, in wonder, wondering what's going on. But after the, the ascension, after the ascension, they worshiped him. Luke 24, we read, Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple doing what? Praising God. Filled with joy and worship. Picture this. Your best friend, your mentor leaves for good. Would you be upset? I bet you there'd be some crying, there'd be some hugging necks. In fact, John 13, as he, you, we read through there, you know, 13, 13, 14, 15, 16, this is what? This is upper room, right? Jesus mentions leaving and they, his disciples are deeply disturbed about that. Yet when he did leave, you know what the response is? Joy. Because they got it. They understood. Jesus encouraged them that day saying, in effect, you're not losing me. I am going to be with you in a different way when the counselor, the encourager, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, Jesus' emphasis in that time before the ascension, was on what they would gain when he was gone. His resurrection and ascension eased their fears and confirmed that he was God made flesh. It convinced them that he was who he said he was. He died to forgive them of their sins. And they knew he was dead. Because in Georgia, that's a two-syllable word, right? Dead. They knew he was dead. And they knew he was raised. And they knew that he had victory over death. And they could trust him. And that day, that departure, brought them joy. The benefits of the ascension are many. We look over in Hebrews 10, 12, we read, When the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. Who are they talking about? Talking about Jesus and his role as priest. He sat down at the right hand of God. What are they saying? He returned to God's holy throne room you see Jesus paid for our redemption for God's redemption and it was paid in full complete from that day forward all of the history of mankind We are in the last page of life as we know it on earth. Romans 8, 34, 
Paul says. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also what? Interceding for us. What does that mean? Have you really stopped to think about it? Ephesians 1.20, Paul says it again. He's at the right hand of God. Colossians 3.1, he says it again. He is at the right hand of God. Do you know what that means? He has God's ear. And what do you think he's telling him? If he's interceding for us, what's he saying? Carl is mine. Doug is mine. Lynn is mine. If you're under the blood, your sins are covered. It's paid for. It's complete. His half of covenant, 100% grace. Our half, 100% devotion. I don't know about you, but I might start preaching here in a minute. 1 John 2, we read this. My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, but not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Any who would claim him as Savior. He's defending you. Before the Father. Jesus is our access to God. And our advocate before him. And when does that begin? That day described in Acts 1. That day. Of ascension. Acts 7. Acts 7. Stephen. Stephen. Full of the Holy Spirit. Looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing. Where? At the right hand of God. Look he said. I see heaven open. And the son of man standing. At the right hand of God. You see. Friends. Because of that ascension, we have the assurance that Jesus is in the highest court of all, defending us and taking our troubles before the throne of grace. 1 Peter 3, Peter is talking about, uh, about baptism. He does a very Jewish thing. He takes something from the Old Testament and, and he finds a word in there and he starts following it on. And what he's talking about, he's talking about Noah's flood and he's talking about the flood and the water and, and Noah's family being saved through the water. And then he comes in and he starts talking about baptism and he says, it, that means your baptism, saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is where? At the right hand of of God with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. You see, when he 
ascended his eternal reign over all enemies has begun. Jesus, the Christ, king of the universe, and Satan can't do anything about it. What Satan can do is tempt you to forget about Jesus, our King. He can tempt you to forget that he is in the throne room and he is not accusing us but defending us. He uses thousands of tricks in which to do it, to distract us from who and where Jesus is. Now you guys, you've read this before. You know what's going on when Stephen says this. He has been talking to the Jewish leadership and explaining them that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And he even said this was going to happen. And they got just a slight bit upset with him because they decided that Stephen no longer needed to live. Stephen, bound by hate, the target of head-crushing boulders, sentenced to die, looks up into heaven and sees Jesus there. What did he see? I don't know. But I can imagine. Hang on. Just a little longer. Hang on. And that momentary searing pain that he felt in his death was taken over by understanding the glory that he was about to have the opportunity to go hug his Lord and Master. He was looking into the eyes of the one who loved him and died for him. And that nothing could ever separate him from the love of Christ. And friend, he's waiting for you. Nothing Satan has ever done or ever will can change that fact. He is waiting for us to join him. This event, this this thing with Stephen is significant to all Christ followers because it settles our fears about death and dying. It settles our fears when people try to silence us and silence the spread of the gospel, of good news, of forgiveness that our creator wants a relationship with us. And men may silence the messenger, but they will never silence the message. Jesus resurrection is the central 
teaching of those first followers written into the very fabric of the New Testament. And when Jesus ascended to be with the Father, his spirit came back to fill his followers and empower them to spread that good news of God's grace. And it spread like wildfire rushing down the side of a mountain of time, fueled by wind, by ruah, by the very breath and the spirit of God. Christian siblings, that's good news. Tell somebody. Father God, we thank you so much for a story worth telling. A story that transcends time itself. And we thank you, Father, for the encouragement that comes from knowing that you are near that even though Jesus left physically, that you yourself, not in the form of man, but in the form of your spirit, have come and that you have promised to indwell those who seek that relationship with you and that we never have to walk through life alone. As we face our trials, Lord, as we face sorrows, We thank you that we can face it with the hope of knowing that Jesus is coming back. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.